Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, we have been in the book of Romans for a while now. We've been in the book of Romans really last year when we started, went through uh, the first four chapters and kind of took a break. And now we're back in it again at the start of the new year here in January. Uh, we, we jump back into Romans starting with chapter five. And we're, we're, we're kind of moving right now like about two chapters a week. Okay, that's kind of been our pace, but we're going to change it up. Once we get done with Romans seven, uh, we're going to slow it down a little bit. And we'll probably spend three or four weeks in chapter eight, another three or four weeks again in chapter 9, so we'll slow it down a little bit as we're kind of working our way through. Uh, but we, we've we been in chapter 5 from the beginning of the month. We, we, we started chapter 6 last week, and we're going to wrap it up here today. Now, just in case you weren't here last week or it's your first time with us, I'm just kind of recap what we did last week for you so you kind of know where we're coming from. Uh, in the first part of Romans chapter 6, Jesus, Paul talks about how Christ calls us to new life. He calls us to new life. He gives us the freedom to live in that calling of new life. And, and really the big question you have to ask yourself is, is this, do you see yourself as God sees you? Now a lot of folks will struggle with that. They don't see themselves the way that God does. But do you see yourself as God sees you? Because if you're going to live a life of freedom, if you're going to live in the new life that God has for you, you can't do that effectively if you have a low view of who you are. So a lot of folks will say, man, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm dirty rotten sinner. But that's not how God views you any longer. When you say yes to Jesus, he sees you as forgiven and healed and set free. He sees you as one of his. You're clothed in righteousness. You're not that sinner anymore. And so we have to, we have to change our view of ourselves. God sees us one way. We can't live our lives looking at it a different way. We need to align ourselves with the heart of God and see ourselves as he sees us. Now, in light of all of this, Paul will ask his readers in verse 11 to consider themselves dead to sin, but alive in God through Christ. You're not alive to God through your works. You're not alive to God because you know a lot of scripture. You're alive to God because of Jesus and what he's done for us and how he died for us and rose again. He set us free. It's the reason we're alive to God is because of what Christ has done for us. And that kind of brings me to this. I think there are, are two types of folks who live Christian lives here this morning, okay? Now, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer yet. This will enlighten you a little bit and hopefully open you up. Uh, I think there's two types of Christians. There are those Christians who live as God sees them. Hey, I'm forgiven, I'm healed, I'm set free. And so you live a victorious life in Christ, which is important. Then there are those Christians who see themselves as, man, I'm low life, I'm dirty, I'm nothing, whatever. And, and they live almost in a defeated kind of lifestyle. And there's not a whole lot God can do through you when you walk around living as if you've been defeated. And you're supposed to live a victorious life in Christ. That's what God is calling us to live to, okay? Now, I think this kind of extends a little bit further. We're going to talk about this here this morning. I think it goes a little bit further than that. I think there are those who, who they believe in Christ, 
man, I said the prayer, I'm good, I'm in God's kingdom, I got it going on. But they stay there. They never move past belief. I just, I punch my ticket to heaven and I'm, I'm satisfied with that. And then there are those Christians who are like, man, no, 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 no. I've punched my ticket and God has more for me and I want that. And, and we're going to talk about that here this morning because you don't want to be the latter or the, the, the former. You don't want to be the one who's just punched your ticket to heaven and kind of camps right there. You want what's more for you. You know, Christ did not actually teach us to simply just believe. I don't know if you thought about that or not. We, we've kind of done a disservice where we boil everything down to a prayer. Hey, say this prayer with me and, you know, hey, you'll be in God's kingdom forever. I think we've done a disservice when we boil it down to that. At Radiant Church, you've been at Radiant Church for a while, you'll, 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 know, you'll recognize the language, right? When we lead you through a prayer at the end to, to accept Jesus, what do we say? Hey, this is the start of your journey. It's not over. It's not done. This is the beginning of your journey. There's more for you that God has for your life. Prayer is not the end-all, be-all. Jesus calls us to go further. He says, come and follow me. He doesn't tell us, hey, Simon Peter, leave your nets. I'll come back. And if, no, no, no. Hey, leave and come follow me. Hey, hey, Matthew, I know you like collecting money for the Romans. So how did everybody like taxes and tax collectors? I know, that's true. Hey, why don't you come follow me, though? Come follow me. I'll teach you how to do that. Hey, he tells people to go further, not stay where they're at. He says, come follow me. Come be with me. Go further. And, and that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to talk about the importance of going further. If you're here this morning and say, man, I'm not sure, Pastor, about what difference that really makes, uh, I would recommend to you. I don't have time to get into it today, but I, I want to recommend to you a great book, a uh, book that I've read many years ago. It's hard to believe it's like 20 years old at this point, but it is. There's a great book called Christian Atheist, written by Pastor Craig Rochelle. He pastors Life Church TV out in Oklahoma, uh, but, but a great book. And the premise of the book Christian Atheist is this. It's you're a follower of Christ in profession. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I'm letting folks know that, but you live your life as if he doesn't exist, and there is no God. And he talks about the importance of overcoming that, what steps you need to take, what you need to do to straighten some things out in your life, because that's not the life that God has called you to. When you first acknowledge that God exists, man, yeah, belief is all you have. Hey, I, I'm all in, I said the prayer, I believe, boom. I'm, uh, that's what you've got at the beginning stages for sure, but over time, as you learn more, as you grow more, okay, your lives begin, and they should be anyway, to move past belief past belief into something further than that, into more practical living. Like when you get married, you, you stop dating other people, right? You stop, you stop doing that. Some of you did not, did not like, get excited with that. You stop dating other people. Don't keep, yeah, don't do that. You stop. When you get a job, you, you, don't, you don't just show up to work, hey, I'm in my flip-flops, you know, with shorts and, well, like, jorts, no, we'll make it worse, jorts. It's even worse than shorts. Like, I'm, I'm doing my thing. No, 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 you go to work. You put the uniform on, you do the job you're supposed to do. What, what happens, on all those things, there's a change, right? There's changes that you undergo, and, and you begin to adapt to those changes, and, it's, and, and you learn and grow. Hey, when you, when you have a relationship with somebody, if you want to move past acquaintance, to be golf buddies, lunch buddies, whatever, you, what do you do? You have deeper conversation, you get together, you change some things about how you're living, and by the way, as you're growing in that walk with them, you're changing and they're changing. You're 
going to rub off on them. They're going to rub off on you. There's, there, you're not staying the same. And so I think in our walk with Christ, the same thing is true. That as we grow deeper, we change. We're not the same, right? We, we move from, from just belief to something greater and deeper than that. If you made the decision to follow Jesus, I think an important question you should ask yourself here today is, this, is a very simple question. Are you living for him? I know that sounds really profound, right? Are you living for, Je for Jesus? Another letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, he says in verse uh, 21, chapter 1, verse 21, he says, living for Christ, uh, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Now for Paul, just to give you the context there, Paul's like, listen, listen, I've got it good. It's a win-win for me. If I live in this life, fantastic. I'm going to live for the Lord and do his will. And if I die, man, that's even better because now I'm with the Lord forever. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So I'm with God forever. I'm happy either way. Like, I'm pretty good. And Paul's point behind that is to live, to really live this life. Man, it means to live not for myself or my career or my family. I'm living for God and God only. And for a lot of folks, that's a hard thing to accept because I'm, I, I will do lip service to it. Yeah, I'm living for Jesus. But, man, is living for Christ, does that mean I live for the Lord over my marriage, over my family? Well, I'm not so sure about that. The answer is yes. It's yes. It's hard. It's hard to accept. But it's yes. It's easy to say I, I, I adhere to that. It's one thing to put it into practice. Can I give you a confession? Here's the old pastor confession this morning. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time in different forms. I am, I've got a Master of Divinity degree. You know, I've been a believer for, for quite a while. And yet, I'm not, I'm, I'm not there. I struggle with that. I love my wife. I love my family. And there are times where I'm like, I don't know. I, I even deal with that. We, God still has to work in me. I'm, I'm not, I haven't arrived yet. I think none of us have arrived yet. But for Paul, living for Christ, man, living, living this life, it means everything is wrapped in Jesus. It's all wrapped in him. Paul sees his mission after he accepts Christ as living for him and reaching people for him as well. And that's why we skip down to Philippians 1. He says this in verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Well, that's one of my favorite verses right there. I could spend all morning breaking that down. We're not going to do that today, though, because we have some different things we're going to be doing. We'll probably come back to that verse later this year, though, because there's, there's some things I really want to pull out from that. But what Paul is communicating here is we should live our lives. We should conduct yourselves, he says, in a manner worthy of Jesus. How you live your life matters. How you live your life matters. So again, the question, are you living for Jesus? Don't treat it as something very simplistic. Treat it as a profound question. Do some soul searching. Am I living for Christ? A few weeks back, we got into Romans 5. We talked about the section we're in, chapters 5 through 8. And we said there's a thematic question that Paul is trying to answer in this section. And the question he's trying to answer is this. All right, what does it mean to live for Jesus? 
What does it mean to live for Him? And he's kind of introduced this concept a little bit. From this point forward, he'll get to the nitty-gritty of what it means to live for Christ, okay? And so I start with verse 27 from Philippians because when Paul speaks of righteousness, he has in mind this kind of Jewish understanding of righteousness, meaning that, that how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives, should be in a manner which pleases the Lord. It should be pleasing to Him. Uh, if, if you're here this morning and you're a new believer, you're, you're relatively new in your walk maybe, uh, this teaching today can be next level for you. If you're a note taker, I would say notes. This can be a next level teaching, man. Uh, at Radiant Church, we have, we have four steps. We think every person should take four steps in their spiritual journey. One is to know God. That's the very first step. You want, you want folks to know God. Pretty simple, isn't it? You want folks to know God. That's salvation. That's belief. That's kind of punching your ticket to heaven, getting your foot through the door. But the second step is to find freedom. That's, that's, that's next level stuff. What is that? That's God changing you. That's God shaping you. That's God molding you. That's God doing a work inside of you. That is a lifelong journey, by the way, that you're on. You've never arrived this side of heaven. God will always work on you as long as you're breathing oxygen. There is something that God has to do in you, something that God's going to shape in you, something God's going to pull out of you. God has work he wants to do inside of you, okay? Helping you live in the freedom that he's, he's brought to your life. Now, you're going to have to make a, a, a decision because if that's a lifelong journey, then that means there's a daily routine you're going to have to undergo here. And every day, you're going to have to decide whom you will serve. Each and every day, you've got to decide whom will I serve today? Who will I serve? Whom will I serve? We ended verse 11 last week. I want to start there again this week, though. It kind of builds into where we're going at the end of chapter 6. Paul says, uh, Paul says this in chapter 6, verse 11 of Romans. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. And we talked about that a few moments ago. I'm alive to God because of Christ. Then he says in verse 12, Do not let sin control the way you live. Important verse. Whom do you serve, right? Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Once you choose to follow Jesus, you're on this, this, this journey, and, and journeys are not quick, right? You know, journeys are not immediate and overnight. Journeys take time. You, you stop by Bucky's to get your snacks for the journey. That's, that's what you do, which is coming to Anderson. Are you excited for Bucky's? This is just a rabbit trail. I went to Bucky's on the way to the beach last year, and I gotta be honest, I was overwhelmed. That thing is crazy. I will never, ever get gas at Bucky's ever. That, that, that is, I know this, this is online, isn't it? I'm not hating on Bucky's. I just, that is that's enough for me. But you got to have snacks in a journey. It takes time. There's different phases to a journey, right? Different challenges to them. Some of you are waiting for God this morning. Listen to me. Some of you are waiting for God to kind of wave a magic wand and poof, super spiritual giant, you know, like, hey, I've, I've, I've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years. I'm a spiritual giant now. As if the longer you're a Christian somehow qualifies you to be that spiritual entity. No, that's not true. It's not how it works. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. It's about the work that you've allowed God to do in your life. It doesn't happen right away. It takes time. 
Every day, you must decide, I'm going to serve Jesus. You present yourself to the Lord. Paul says you should give yourself completely over to God. Now, what does it mean to present yourself to God? Does it mean you have to clean up and get your life together and, you know what, I'll come to God when I straighten everything out? No, that, that's not what we're talking about here. I, I've met people before who have thought, you know, Pastor, like, you just don't know. My life and what I've done in the past and, and what I care, it's, it's too much. There's just, I don't know how God could get past that. I don't know how God could come to grips and forgive me for this X, Y, and Z, you know? And, and they feel like they have to... Get it all right. That, that's not how you approach God, though. You don't approach God that way. It, it, none of us, and I always tell these folks, hey, none of us are good enough before God. We all have issues. We all got baggage. We all got a past. We all got things we're not proud of, man. None of us. None of us will get there. There was a guy at a church we pastored in the past. He killed a man. He was second-degree murder. And, you know, he got out early on parole. Uh, parole. And, and, and I always thought, you know, if, if there's anybody who would struggle with, like, God forgiving, it's got to be this guy. Man, he gave his life to the Lord, served many years in our church, had a great story. You know, if, if God can forgive me for what I've done, man, he can forgive anybody. How, how true is I, your past? I, I, would, I would imagine this morning in this room, none of you all have done that, right? It's so, like your past is not enough. God will overcome that. God will see past that. All right? When you present yourself to God, you are not presenting yourself as holy and perfect and pure. You're not going to God saying, here I am in all that I've got, and I've got it all together. I'm, I'm good enough for you. You are bringing yourself as you are to God, as you are. Dirty, sinful, warts, baggage, whatever. You bring it to God because it's not you who's holy. You're presenting yourself to the one who is holy, and he He's the one who changes you and shapes you and, and, and takes that junk out of your life. There are folks who will say, well, you know what, God, if I present myself to God as I am, kind of, you know, God made me this way and, 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 I, and I like that. I don't want him to change that part of me. And I always tell folks, listen, here's the, here's the thing about God. If it doesn't align with the Lord, he loves you too much to keep you that way. He's going to change you. He's going to shape you into the person he's called you to be. He, he rejects that argument here, okay? God is going to make you in, into the person he's designed for you from the very beginning. The person that sin has corrupted and kind of messed around with, God will undo all of that and he will make you into the person he has always called you to be. And the key here is you surrender all of yourself to God. Paul says, use your, your whole body as an instrument for God's glory. What does that mean? It means your mind is not your mind. Your intellect belongs to God. That's what that means. It means your, your gifts, your abilities, your passions, they belong to God. He gave them to you in the first place. What do we do? We offer those back to the Lord. When we talk about serving at Radiant Church, it's not about serving to get jobs done. It's about serving with passion and giftings and abilities so that God can use for his glory. I'm going to give back to him for him to use. This is what Paul talks about in Philippians 1. We offer everything we have and all of who we are to God as we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. In other words, we are choosing to live for Christ and we're choosing to live for him each and every single day. Verse 14. Paul says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. 
this text kind of brings us back to the first half of Romans 6 a little bit. We, we live in the freedom that Christ gives us. And we do that. We live in the victory that God gives us. And we live in a state of grace. Grace is not forgiveness. Mercy is forgiveness. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. So you get forgiveness and mercy. Grace is the power of God to live for God. To overcome sin. So when I live in victory of Christ, I have the state of grace, the power of God to live for God. Now here's the thing. You can choose to simply stay at that minimum baseline belief level. I believe in God. I accept it. I don't want to go any further. You can choose to do that. My ticket's punched for heaven. I'm good to go. 100%. I'm not going to dispute all that kind of stuff. Like that, That's fine. Whatever. I will say this, though. As a pastor, I'm going to tell you this. If you choose to stay there and not pursue to grow deeper and grow into what God has for you, I believe this, that you will live a life that falls short of freedom and fulfillment because you're not living in all that God has for you. Have that drive to go deeper. Have that drive to grow more in your life. So choose today and choose every day whom you'll serve. Why? Because in the end, we're all slaves to something. We're all slaves to somebody. We're all slaves to something. That word slave is, is a trigger word, man, for sure. And let me just kind of tell you what slavery was like in the Roman Empire in the first century. Because when we think of slavery, we think Western slavery, that institution, 18th, 19th century type thing. This was not what was happening in the Roman Empire. All right? So most slaves, I say most because conquered peoples were different. If you were conquered, it was a different life for you. But most slaves in Rome were more like indentured servants. So let's say you had money. So you know what? I'm in debt, and I, and I can't pay the debt back. So what would you do? You would go to the person you owe money to, and you enter into a contract. It's voluntary. And I'm going to serve you for you know, 10 years. And the debt's paid, and you can go free. So for 10 years, you serve this person. Maybe it's in the house, taking care of the kids, in the fields, wherever it is. But you're serving them. When the 10 years are up, you go home, you go free. You're done. Your, your serving's over. You, you can come and go as you want to. You, I mean, life is not, it's not the way we think of slavery here. It was a different design. So whenever Paul talks about slavery in the New Testament, that's what he's thinking about. Just throw that out there, okay? So he makes the case that if Christ is not your master, then sin is. Like Jesus himself teaches something very similar in the Gospels, and, and, and the point is, is this, that we are all slaves to something. We're all slaves to something. Even in Genesis, Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel, before Cain kills his brother Abel, God tells Cain, listen, sin's crouching at your door. You must learn to what? You must learn to master it. Why? Because if you don't, it's going to control you. It will be your master. You will be its slave. So all throughout Scripture, we have this, this imagery of serving God or serving sin. That, that, that's paramount. We're all slaves to something, which concludes this, that we're all wired to be led by somebody. And we're, we're all wired to submit ourselves to somebody. And we either allow Christ to reign over us and submit ourselves to Him, or we allow the enemy and our sinful condition to reign over our lives. There, there really is, is no middle option. And I know a lot of folks want middle options with Christianity. I want to have, was there a third option for me? There's a lot of gray, but there's also some clear black and white. And this is, this is a pretty clear one here. There's no middle road here. Either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. There's no in-between on this one here. One of two will reign in your life. 
Look at Luke 17. Christ is in Jerusalem, and he's got a large crowd that's around him, and he says this. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you want to follow me, learn from me, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Well, we don't like that word. Hate's a strong word, isn't it? Hate your father, hate your mother, your wife, your children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. Now, hate's, hate's a tough word. And we say, man, I don't know. That's, that's pretty, that's rough. The Greek context that Luke is writing in, hate doesn't have that vicious meaning we have today. It's not hatred as in man. It's just pure, unadulterated, I just can't stay. No, it, it mean, this is what it means. It means to love less than. So what Christ is saying, he's saying, listen, unless you love your parents less than me, your spouse less than me, your family, your own life less than me, you cannot be my disciple. And it's still a hard teaching on, on the surface. But what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, I have to be the priority. God is number one in your life. There, we're, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, I'm it. I have to be first. And that's very different, difficult for us to accept. It's one thing to listen to Christ's teachings and to like them and to say, I agree with this or that. It's another to give yourself in full devotion to Him. And that's what He's calling us to do. He's not calling you just to listen and stop. He's actually calling you to go further, to be fully devoted, to go all in and live for Him. So the question today again, who, who, who's your master? Who's your master? You know, are you living for Christ here this morning? If, if you allow anything else priority in this life other than God, then you're not all in yet. You haven't fully submitted yourself over to the Lord. It hasn't happened. Verse number 15, Paul says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we just go on sinning? Of course not. We don't do that. Don't you realize you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? We're setting it up again here, right? You, you can be a slave to sin. That leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So that sounds familiar. If you go back to the very first verse of chapter 6, he states the exact same question. You're either slaves to sin, which leads to separation from God, or you're slaves to God, which leads to righteousness and righteous living. We're not trying to perfect ourselves. We're not trying to, to, to get it all right. We're simply presenting ourselves and who we are to God because it all belongs to Him and He's going to change us. We're going to do all that we can to submit ourselves to following Him and surrendering to Him and let Him be at work in our lives. And that begs yet another question. Does God have every access in your life? Does He have access to every area of your life here this morning? Does He have access to your heart? Does He have access to your desire? Does He have access to everything of who you are today? The issue is not what you do. And, and I won't rehash this. We've spent some time talking about that. We focus so much on what sin is and how I sin in the action. The issue has never been the what. The issue is who is your master? Who controls your life? Who influences you? Who have you submitted yourself to? Who has access to your life? Is it God that has full access? Is, is it wealth? 
Is it, is it sex? Is it, is it politics? Is it, is it addictions? Is it sports? What, what is it that, can I, can I, let's put it this way. Whatever it is in your life that you cannot shake yourself free from, you say, Pastor, I, I try and try and try, and I can't get free of this, and I keep going back, that's it. Whatever it is you can't set yourself free from, that's what has control over you. That has you. Whatever dominates your thoughts that you can't change, it owns you. Whatever it is you just go back to and can't get free of, it owns you and who you are. It's not God. And so if that's you today, say, man, I've got some things in my life that I really need God to take care of, then let God take care of them. Open your heart up and allow God to take care of it. Let Him deal with it. Because if Christ is not your master, something else is. Verse 18. Paul says, now you're free from your slavery to sin. And you've become slaves to righteous living because of the weakness of your human nature. I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, this is an important verse right here. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. Centerpiece of the passage really is the first part of verse 19, where Paul says you are free from your slavery to sin and you've become slaves to righteous living. That's really where the whole centerpiece of this passage today is at. Paul sees our commitment to living for Christ as something which should be just as strong as the commitment we would put towards you know, wealth or power or any other pursuit we would put aside from Christ, if not stronger. So we have to choose whom we're going to serve because we're all slaves to something. And, and know this this morning too. There is a price to pay no matter whom you serve. So if you serve your sinful condition, the price is very steep. It costs you a lot. It costs you eternally. There's eternal separation from God, okay? If, if, if you choose to serve Jesus, and I, I should be clear with this too, like when you choose to serve Jesus, your life does not get better necessarily. All right? It's not, you know, everything went my way. I got all the brakes, all the stoplights turned green. The guy in front of me paid for my coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Isn't that great? There's puppy dogs and unicorns that talk to me. It's wonderful. It's like a Disney movie, man. It's so good. Like, that's not your life with Jesus. Hopefully, it gets better. But generally speaking, it actually gets harder. It gets more difficult, right? And, and he promises that, see? There's a reason why he says, hey, the path to righteousness is narrow and only a few find it. There are a lot of folks who want to get there and they start on it and then they, they bail because it's tough. There's a reason why he says, you know, before you follow me, you should count the cost. Before a king goes to war, he counts the cost of battle. You should probably consider what it would cost you before you follow me. Hey, before you follow me, hey, listen, you should, you should consider about persecution because if they persecuted me, I promise you, they're going to persecute you too, if not worse. Following Jesus does not make your life better per se, but it, doesn't, it does open you up to a lot of struggle, a lot of challenging, uh, challenge, a, lot, a lot of suffering in your life. Okay, but here's the thing. The prize is greater than the price. The prize is greater, always is, than the price. In multiple instances in his letters, Paul will talk about chasing the prize or looking forward 
forward to the prize. What is he talking about? He's talking about eternity in God's kingdom. The prize is serving God, right? It's serving the Lord and being in God's presence for all time. And that prize is greater than any price we pay this side of eternity because it results in us dwelling with God and our creator forever. Why do people go overseas to places that are incredibly difficult? Places where they know they could be imprisoned, they could be executed for sharing the gospel. Because it's not just an idea. It's, it's all life itself. Because the prize is greater than the price. Why do people sell everything they have and go start a church? And go to a place they haven't been to before and start something brand new because the prize is greater than the price. The prize is greater than the price. Romans 6.20 Paul says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. What was the result? Well, the result is you're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. Look at verse 22. But now, you're free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And here's verse 23. Very common verse, well-known verse, powerful verse. The wages of sin, the price, right, is death. The free gift of God, the prize, is greater, right? The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that you've been set free from sin, and now that you're slaves to God, you begin to do those things which are associated with living for Christ and lead to life. You start to live in freedom. You, you begin to walk in the ways that God is calling you to walk. Not right away overnight. It's gradual. It takes place over time. But you begin to move that way. There's progress in that direction. And the world can't quite get it. You understand it. You tell somebody, you know, hey, I'm free in Jesus, but I can't keep doing this anymore. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I, I, I have always been more intellectual. That's just kind of how I'm bent. I'm, little, I'm, a, I'm a nerd at heart, man. It's just who I am. And so for me, growing up, I grew up in church, but I was just, my journey was up and down a lot because I questioned everything, I analyzed everything, and, and uh, so I, I had a costly kind of up and down deal. Where I, all right, I'm, I'm in for God, and I'm like, I don't know, like, how does it make sense to me? And I, that, that's kind of how I was until I got to college. And there was one thing that always just didn't sit well with me. I remember being a freshman at, at, at the University of South Carolina as a freshman, and I remember just listening to some guys talk, and I thought, okay, I've grown up in church my whole life, man. Like, I can out-religion you any day of the week. I know what to say and how to act and all that kind of junk. And you're telling me, like, this freedom in Christ thing kind of sounds ridiculous in a way. I mean, just think about it. Like, you're saying you're free, and you're free to do whatever you want to do. But you actually can't do whatever you want to do, because if you do, you know, God's angry, or people are angry, or whatever. Like, that's actually not, that's not there's nothing to that. That can't be accurate. And of course, when I really got back on track, and my life was changed forever by Jesus, everything shifted for me, and I realized what it meant to be free in Jesus, what it meant to be free in Christ. Most new believers and those who aren't Christians have a hard time 
with this idea. You know, they'll say, how can you be free if you surrender yourself to some God out there, some entity who, who just kind of controls everything? But the point that Paul is getting at under the surface is this. Genuine autonomy is a facade. Genuine autonomy is a facade. You have freedom to make choices in how you want to live. That's 100% true. But you need to realize there are consequences for how you live. There's a price you're going to pay for how you live. Whether good or ill, there's a price. And there are consequences. And you might be free, but you're not free of the consequences of your actions and your decisions. You can't just live for yourself. That's actually not an option. We said earlier, there's no third option. It's sin or God. There's only two, right? So you can't just live for yourself. In the end, we've either chosen to live for Jesus or we've chosen to live knowingly or unknowingly. We've chosen to live in sin. And the price for living according to our sinful condition and having it be master over us is eternal separation from the Lord. That's, that's the price we pay for that. The price for living for Christ leads to life. I mean, it will cost you an awful lot in this world to do it. Ask anybody whose faith in the Lord has grown, whose walk in the Lord has grown, and they will tell you the different instances where they paid a price for their faith in following Christ. But you know what they'll say? It's worth it. I'll do it again. It's worth it. Every bit of it's worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because we're not looking at this world as our home. Go back to what Paul says earlier. Citizens of where? heaven your first citizenship in this wonderful election year of 2024 your first citizenship is not to the united states of america it's not you can love your country i'm i'm, I'm fine with that i love i love america that's great but that's not where you belong first your first citizenship as a follower of jesus is the kingdom of god my allegiance is there first my allegiance to my country is second. If my country does some things that violate that first citizenship, I'm, I'm all in with Jesus, buddy. That's where I'm going. Prize is worth everything, right? It's greater than the price. Two types of believers today. Gabriel, come on up. Two types of believers. Those who want to believe in Christ and they're satisfied with that. And you know what? I don't know if I want to pursue it anymore. I kind of like just punching my ticket and coasting and I'll be okay. You can do that. But I believe this. You're going to live a life that's, that's, that's really not as fulfilled as it could be. But then there are those who want to go next level and want to live for Christ and go all in. It's going to be tough. It's going to be some, some difficult challenges. But in the end... Prize is worth it, right? It's greater than the price. So which one are you? Really consider it today for a moment. Which one are you? Are you living for Christ? Are you all in? Is sin your master? Or is Jesus your master? Which one is it? Above all, Paul says, Philippians 1.27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. 
The culture says, you be you, do what you want to do, as long as it makes you happy and other people are kind of left alone and they're not hurt, perfectly fine to do it. I got news for you, buddy. Jesus didn't die for your happiness. It's not why he came. He died and rose again to give you new life and new freedom, to call you to something more and something greater. The culture puts you at the center and teaches ultimate freedom is being able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, free of consequences. It's not what God teaches. That was the same lie that was spoken to Eve in the garden. Well, you know, you can, you won't really die. You'll be like God and know good and evil, see? Just like Him. Which is true. The lie was in the consequences. You won't have consequences for that. No, that's not true. The consequence was death. The consequence was you're kicked out of the garden. The consequence was sin has entered into the world, right? There's a consequence to it. In nearly every case where someone lives how they want to live, doing what they want to do, in almost every case that I've, I've been around, as a pastor, as a friend, as a brother, as a cousin, as a neighbor, I can tell you without fail, that individual, in the end, they are alone. They feel lonely. They feel empty. They're missing something. Why? Because God has more for you. And this idea of self-autonomy and self-rule is not true. You are serving one or two masters. Whether you know it or not, it's either sin or it's God. We were never meant to be at the center. That's the reason. We're never meant to be that, that's, 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 that's this idolatry. We're never meant to be there. That was always supposed to be God's place in our lives. We are called to more. We are called to put Christ in the center and to give our lives over to Him. So this morning, in a very serious manner, who is at the center of your life? And who is at the center? Who is your master? Who are you living for? Who are you serving? And really think about this, because how you answer reveals the depth of your own soul, your own spiritual walk. Bow your hands, close your eyes if you would today. Maybe you're here this morning and you would just say, Pastor, I'm listening to you and this message and I gotta be honest. I think I've been putting myself at the center. I've kind of bought into this lie that I can do what I want and I can live however I want and I'll be free of any kind of consequence to it, you know? Maybe you didn't even realize today that that kind of life enslaves you to some things you don't want to be a part of. But you resonate with the idea of, I don't know why I'm here. I kind of feel like I'm missing something. Uh, something doesn't fit right with me. And I'm just going to tell you this morning, if that's you, it's because you're not surrendered all the way to Jesus yet. And I want to encourage you today, before we, we move past here, to say yes to Christ. To surrender your whole heart and life over to Him. Because that's what you're missing. I'm going to lead a prayer. I do this every week. I'm going to lead a prayer. It's a model of what a prayer to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior is like. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to, but I want you to say it along those words. And 
As I'm finished that up, I'm going to pray for those of you who are Christians today because perhaps you're a believer in the room this morning and you realize that, you know what, I, my life is not where it should be. And I realize today that i got to get some things straightened out with the Lord. So I want to pray for you too before we leave. But I want to start with those this morning who need to say yes to Jesus. So your prayer to accept Christ is going to go like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. I, I realize today there's some things that aren't sitting right with me. I realize today it's because I don't have you. And what I want to do is I want to make sure today that I'm, I'm in alignment with you. I can't save myself. I can't get myself out of my own mess. I need you to do it. Will you save me? Will you forgive me of the wrong and the sin in my life? Will you save me and set me free? And I don't want to live for myself anymore. I've seen how that works. I know how that ends up. So I don't want you just to be my savior. I, I want to surrender myself over to you. I want to go all in for you. So Jesus, will you be the Lord of my life? Will you be the one who leads me, who guides me, who shapes me and molds me into the person you're calling me to be? I want my whole heart and my whole life to belong to you. And I will do everything I can from this day forward to live for you and to follow you. You can have access to every part of my life, my thoughts, my emotions, my abilities, who I am. Lord, I, I want to give it all over to you because whatever this more is, I want it. I want the more that's in store for me. I want the prize. I'm all in. Be my Savior and be my Lord. God, for those who are believers today and they realize there's some things they're missing, there's some things that they're struggling with here today, God, I pray, whatever it is that has a hold of them, they can't shake it free. Whatever is holding them back, will they offer that to you? Just offer it back to the Lord today, if that's you. Say, God, I'm giving you, I'm giving you this, this struggle that I've got giving you, God, this issue I'm dealing with, this thing. I can't set it. I can't just shake it. I keep coming back to it. Lord, I, the, these thoughts, I struggle with these thoughts all day. They own me. God, I give that over to you. Lord, I pray whatever it is that, that they're dealing with, they would give that over to you and surrender to you. Lord, I pray you'd set them free. God, I pray that you would take those who are believers today, already followers of you, and help them to go deeper, deeper in their walk, deeper in their life with you, God, I pray. And I ask, Lord, that they would continue to grow and you would just shape them and mold them too to become the people you're calling them to be. May we not be the same as we walked into the door this morning. May we all leave today, God, closer to you having been touched by you, having your spirit deal with us. And so I, I pray this morning that you would, you would set some folks free and help them to continue along in their growth. We ask all this in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, 
you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.